Welcome to PR After Hours, your twice-weekly cocktail of business, PR, and marketing tips hosted by me, Alex Greenwood. Every week, we bring you virtual happy hours featuring business advice from entrepreneurs and leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. We're going to get started in just a moment, so stick with us. Hi, this is Angelo Ponzi, the host of the Business Growth Cafe podcast, and you're listening to PR After Hours. You know, when you join us here in the virtual lounge, you're going to get a lot of perspectives on some similar topics, and that is okay, because I want to hear from people from all walks of life. I want to hear from people from different communities, different countries even, and talk about these things. And that's why today I'm excited to talk about personal branding with Ian Moist. Now, he is uh, somebody I've been really glad to get on the show. he is a technology sales leader, and for the last 15 years, he specialized in cloud computing. He's got numerous awards and accolades, a um, UK Sales Director of the Year by BESMA, that's the British Excellence in Sales Management Awards, in 2019 and 2020 was listed in the top 50 sales keynote speakers by Top Sales World. He's been a regular judge on the Women in Sales Awards. Good on you, mate. Top Sales Awards with BESMA and the UK Cloud Awards. We're not really going to talk about cloud computing, but we're going to talk about Ian because Ian is really good at marketing something, and that is himself because he's got this great brand persona that is his own, and uh, he's a frequently uh, uh, asked for uh, guest on podcasts, since we're lucky to have him here in the virtual lounge. Ian Moise, welcome to PR After Hours. Alex, thank you so much, and hopefully in, in the short time we have together, we can add some value to the audience in the real world, right? The, the non-hype, the non-blurb, but the, the reality of uh, the practitioning. How could we not? I, you've, you've been doing this for a while. I'd love to, to, to do a little dotted line here, if we could, from where you were when you started building your personal brand to where you are today. Obviously, you are a recognized uh, as a leader and an influencer and, and by your peers. That is evident in your track record. When was it and what was it in your career when you decided consciously... I've got to create or I've got to enhance who Ian is. So I'd say it, was, it, it wasn't a conscious decision is the honest answer. And let me give you in short how it happened. In uh, being in from sales to sales management, sales leadership, different, you know, going through that evolution, what I also saw was happening is the biodynamic was changing. We have all changed as buyers, all of us, you, me, everyone. We behave differently because of the world we live in, the technology, Google, internet, uh, you know, if you're going to go and watch a movie, you can search it, you can get reviews, you can get here. We behave differently. We've got access to more information than ever before. So the buyer changed. The way people interact with the salespeople wasn't come in and tell me stuff. And I don't know about you. Tell me about you, Ian. Tell me about the company. And, ever, and because they didn't know anything, they now know everything, even stuff that you maybe don't know yourself because they've searched, right? So in doing that, I was constantly looking at how do you remain relevant? How do you remain relevant in the buyer's eyes, in the engagement? They're not picking up the phone as easy. Uh, and I fell into social selling, using social media as a way to build rapport, to open a conversation that takes things back into the real world that we now have a conversation break from. And it wasn't called social selling then, but it was just trying to figure out. And as part of that, accidentally, 
I realized, well, if I'm going to use social media uh, to reach out and like or comment on someone's comment or, or, or use it as a way of engagement, they're going to look back at my profile. Mm -hmm. And I better look as be best I can. It's no good having a profile just with a picture and a title and it's empty um, and there's no color. There's nothing to engage them because right. it's easy. I've just got it to send messages and look right. I'm not, I haven't thought about it. You've got to care about it. And then over time, I started to get more and more into understanding social selling as a methodology and more and more personal branding extracted itself from just a byproduct of that to its own life with me of right. realizing, hey, I've been approached, I've been approached to do this or this, and some of the things you, you, you kindly announced. And I realized the more you put yourself out there, the more credible and authentic you come across as a thought leader in your sphere, whatever that industry is, the more you get opportunity. So whether it's, you know, there's a PR person putting you forward for an interview and, you know, I've been in companies where it's right, we've got this PR agency and they're going to try and get, get interviews. They want to get as, as featured in things. The stronger your personal brand is, the more the person they're putting, the, the more their job becomes easier right because people want to speak to you as opposed to your joe blogs you've got no information and there's a, you know it's just joe blogs at this company they want to get some pr they want to be interviewed well big deal oh no no we've got ian who is is for example you you mentioned judge on the women in sales award so if there's some article that someone's doing about women in business oh might he have an opinion might he have some authentic genuine insight to give yeah. Therefore, they've got an angle to leverage off of something that I've done, off my bio, off my profile. So I discovered it. It, it is a, uh, you know, one thing begets another. The more you do things, the more you contribute, the more you take part, the more you write your own blog, volunteer for a podcast, volunteer to speak at an event. The more you put yourself out there, the, the, a, the more experience you get, the stronger your profile gets. And the stronger your profile gets, the more you get asked to do stuff. And the more you get asked, the more you pro and your personal brand takes a life of its own on to the point where you then start to cultivate it proactively and you start to look at what other people do. And you realize once you go past the tipping point, I think of realizing the impact it can have, you do something about it. And here's a statement and I'll stop talking. <laughs> Everyone has a personal brand, regardless of they, whether they consciously do it right. If you, your personal brand is how other people perceive you based on any information or anything they can access and see. That is their perception of you. That is your, what your personal brand is. So it doesn't, it's not about being a celebrity. It's not about being a, an influencer. It's if I can find something about you online, that becomes your, my version of your personal brand, my perception. You can control that or you can let it control you. Oh man, that's, that's perfect. I want to ask you this though. Um, what about, and I have run into this as a PR consultant, uh, uh frequently I, I'll put it to you this way. I worked with, uh, recently, uh, an architecture firm here, here where I'm at and, uh, Kansas city, Missouri, United States. And these architects are brilliant at what they do, but terrified of being out there. Now, as you, you know this, Ian, as well as I, and our, most of our listeners know this, you know, I can't tell your story effectively if you're not in it. Any advice from your perspective on, you know, if you're, if you're one of those reticent people out there listening, it, Ian, do you have some advice for those people about putting yourself out there to maybe getting that toe wet? Yeah. So firstly, and I get, I get this even from salespeople, right? So I, well, I've done all right so far. Uh, it hasn't done me any harm. 
and uh, well, I don't want to tweet about my sandwich and my lunch every five minutes <laughs> on Twitter. And my answer is, okay, that's your perception. But think about this. You don't know what harm it's doing, whether you're having it, whether it's a bad profile or not having one at all. You don't know because no one comes to you. If you, if you, I say to people who go for interviews, right, well, it's never affected me on profile. How do you know? How do you know people haven't looked at it and gone, well, there's three candidates. That one really seems to care and understand the world we're in and their profile authenticity. And this one, their CV and their LinkedIn profile, for example, don't even correlate. Uh, yeah, we won't shortlist that one. Then maybe it was a photo finish, right? Who do you know? Unless they've told you that, it has done you harm, but you just don't know it. That's the problem, right? You don't know what opportunities you've missed. By what harm can it do by being on the on the social the relevant social platforms to you? That isn't this isn't about going out and being well. I've got to be on Facebook and Instagram and, and um, Snapchat and. You know, lots of companies do that and put themselves on 10 platforms. I say, well, why? That's a vanity thing. Where is your audience? So for the architect, you said that I would say, well, where is the audience? Is it where are they most likely to be checked out? Is it linked? And I would say probably LinkedIn. It's a B2B right. professional one. Um, it's not Instagram, right? right. If, that, if you said to me, well, it, I'm dealing with um, a designer furniture company and, the, and their people and they're fantastic artists and they create this visual, very visual stuff i'd say well great who's their customer oh it's consumers great so probably facebook and instagram and instagram because it's so visual and that's where people follow it, it, it's, it's, it's the nature right if you're selling widgets and bolts and, and design stuff well, well instagram is not the platform right and that's not where your audience will expect to find you or engage with you so be where your audience, your relevant audience is and do it well and care about the perception. Think if someone in my industry, whether it be a customer, a prospective employer, um, a prospective um, interview I might get, a journalist, in, whatever it is, where would they expect to find out about me and make sure that profile is good? Now, you might do it on your website, right? On your website, you have a bio or profile right. if you're an expert architect, but great. But then link that, put a link there to your LinkedIn profile, which is yours. It goes with you wherever you go, unless you're going to be in that job for life, which very few are, and the world's changed in that respect. Right. Your link, your your social profile is yours. It is your personal brand. And cultivate it. Look what other people in your sphere have done. And it's not about you have to post lots of content or you have to comment or you have to engage. It's about being there for people to find out about you. And make it personal. Yeah. Right? It, go and look at mine. Mine's not perfect, right? I'm always tuning it. I'm always looking for tips and it's But I, I, you know, my con about me section starts with something like at 14 years old, I got into computing because a neighbor, and it, it's authentic. It's, oh, okay. Mm. You get a feel for me as a, as a person, and you can get recommendations on there. You can get, put images on there. Again, have a look at my profile. I, I, if, I'm, if I'm given an award or I speak at an event, and they take a lovely picture for their stuff. I put it on there with yeah. a link. Back. It, it's your calling. It's this is what I'm what I do. This is my reputation. Right. And it's out there and it's a free site. You know, that's the beauty of all this. You don't have to pay. You don't have to go and build your own website. It's free. And they're getting richer and richer in content and, and capability. Why not use that? What harm can it do? Not being there can do you harm. Being there can't do any, any harm, right? It, the likelihood is it will bring you opportunity. 
I, I totally agree. And, you know, I think people get a little hung up on being perfect. You know, I think I heard a little bit of that, what you're saying here is, you know, you don't have to be. I, I tell clients this all the time, uh, you know, sometimes it's do as I say, not as I do, because uh, I've been known, particularly in the past few years, to be a little, uh, maybe a little more candid about my politics than normal on Twitter, for example. Um, you know what, I made that decision, and, and if it hurts me with clients, so be it, I made that choice. But the other things, though, like you're speaking of, that, that are, make me who I am, though, where if I, I enjoy, you know, fitness and obstacle course racing, and I write fiction novels on the side. I do, I talk about those things, which I think fill me out as a human being. Yeah. Not a perfect human being, and by the way, I'm very suspect of people, Ian, who who have this thing that looks like they're trying so hard to be perfect. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, feel the word authentic. I thought I might have already said it, but it, it's about being authentic. You know, I've got interesting. I've got a, a young team that I've built in the company I'm in, and um, they feel empowered, and they they'll post things. So I I, I get I've got I've just had one of my SDR team, for example, so sales you know generates nice leads and new customers prospects for us. Yeah. Uh, post on LinkedIn past couple of days, really, and he's just genuinely done it himself and gone. Do you know what? I, I generated in the first something like in the first three months of the business, I generated twenty leads and and I felt proud. It's a new industry, or whatever. But I've just done twenty in a month now. Look at my progression and just talking genuinely about. And he gets loads of comments and other SDR and people engaging with it. Because yeah. it's just genuine. It's just chatting. It's not confidential. It's not saying who we've engaged with, but he's just saying about how his career is developing. He's talking authentically, um, and people like that, right? Because that's who you are. So it's about being authentic. You can't fake it. Because if you do fake it, and you then get engagement, whether it be with a journalist, an interview, guesting on a podcast like this, um, you get caught out because you don't know what you're talking about, and and you've built yourself out to be something you're not. And, you know, I, I agree with you. There's a lot there's a lot of um, catfish on the Internet. We know that from the from the famous program that's developed off, off of the movie. And there's a lot of that stuff goes on. But in business, just be yourself. Um, I, I would advise think about, um, you know, avoid isms, avoid. I personally, I would advise it's personal choice, but avoid politics, anything that could be controversial. Absolutely. You know, but it's not about pleasing all the people all the time. I write blogs. I talk about um, interviewing and sales and recruitment and different things that I've got experience, authentic experience in that I've got an opinion on. And not everyone agrees. Right. But I get lots of people commenting or saying, well, what do you think about this? Or how would you do this? Or don't agree with that. But that's fine because it's real. Yeah, I, I love that. And of course, you, you know, I don't know, football fan? Uh, <laughs> Really, I'm not, but I but I did watch the game the other day. Yes, yes. Thanks for reminding me. Well, no, but no, but still, I mean, it 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 seemed like a wonderful thing to bring your nation together a little bit, and maybe that's too uh, saccharine to say, but it seemed brilliant to me in that regard. I don't know. Yeah, but it, you've also got to look off the back of things like that. Is is doesn't it expose people? There's a lot of people posting stuff they shouldn't. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen on your side of the water, but we've seen a number of incidents in the UK recently where, you know, there was one with Chris Whitty, who's uh, involved in the cold COVID thing as the, uh, you know, the lead expert medical. And um, a couple of people in the street wanted something for social, grabbed him, you know, got to get this picture and bit of a joke video and stuff and posted it. They, you know, one of them then in the newspapers was fired from his job because it was basically Manhattan, you know, you can't do that to someone in the street. And it's posted on social media and it's it's not done his reputation any good. 
right. the same as people posting negative stuff about those that took the penalties in a racist manner the past few days on social. Oh, oh. well, you know, keep your opinions to yourself. You're welcome to your own opinions. I, I personally don't agree with them, but that that's your prerogative. But to post them on social media and identify them against you, 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 is that a smart thing to do? And how will that be taken? So that's where you've got to think about what you do on social. But being on there and having a profile doesn't mean you have to be on there posting every five seconds about everything you do and it takes over your life. Post a blog. If you know, if you're an expert, you, you described. I think they're in architecture. Those individuals may will have great expertise in some. They may specialise in a particular type of architecture. Could they write something? Have they got some something to add yeah. to new architects up and coming that would value their advice of or to people in? Go and write a blog. Go and write share your expertise and just post that on on linkedin for example which yeah. post it as an article and it acts as your own personal blog again you don't have to know about blogging you don't you hmm. just have to talk about what you know really easy and that's authentic and likelihood is people you may gain followers from it and may gain relationships and people may reach out to you and say i love your opinions on that would you would you, would you be interested in being interviewed for this or would you contribute to this panel we're doing it, you know, it, it's you and I to us. It's it's pretty simple, you know. And you know, uh, folks, you can't see him, but Ian's like kind of putting his hands up, like it's you know, he made that gesture, like it's pretty simple, and it is simple. And I I love the point you're making about it. Look, you know, if you get a basic LinkedIn account, I mean, I pay for a slightly a premium account because I there's you know some sales tools I want to use, etc. But I mean, if you have that, you can post um, and create your own blog, and you're not having to worry about it. And here's the great thing, folks. LinkedIn on SEO, my goodness, it it will take you ten years to get anywhere near <laughs> uh, traction unless you just bust out um, for your own blog. So why not just do as Ian suggests and use LinkedIn? Um, or if you have a company website, uh, double up and put them there. I also uh, I also post things on Medium a little bit, um, which is weird. I'll tell you, Ian, I just real quick to share with the audience um, a little thing that happened for me. So I got on Medium because I was there, I'm a podcaster and I've been doing it for 15 years off and on, broadcaster as well. And I, I wanted to... Uh, after doing this most recently, the past five years, I, I came up with a lot of tips for guests and for producers and hosts of podcasts. They're just based on my experience. Doesn't mean I'm 100% right, 100% wrong, whatever, but it's my experience. So I started posting on Medium. Didn't expect anything. You know, I tweeted out and move on. All of a sudden, uh, Podcast Movement, which is one of the larger uh, newsletters and websites about podcasting, picks it up and puts it on their front page. And I'm like, oh, I. I might want to write more of these, so I wrote a couple more. And then, Ian, this is this is the this is the kicker. I started getting a lot of views on Medium. I start kind of uh, putting them also on LinkedIn. But then I get a comment on Medium, and I'm just telling you this because it's true and because it illustrates your point. I think effectively, comment. This is so great. You should write a book. So I just finished the ebook and the audio book, which has been out. It's called the Podcast Option. Regular listeners know this, and it's always you can find the links in the show notes. So. This is exactly how this happens. I have some expertise. I put it on paper, so to speak. People find it. People share it. And looky, I'm now probably considered something of an expert in podcasting. I'm not the be-all, but at least I've got some cred. Fair enough? Yep, absolutely. And, and, and for me, it's turned into, weirdly, and it's weird when I use this label, that I'm labeled as an influencer in the cloud computing space. I get I get you know, major corporate, corporate brands um, around the globe asking me to contribute to content. Could you give me a comment for this? I've, I've been asked to do um, nice. forward for a couple of cloud computing books, 
Um, so my name was in them, you know, great for the kids to see when they grow up and go out. What, what, <laughs> well, um, you know, I get, a, a, can I do content for major brands? Could you, you know, fly, I've been flown out a couple of years ago to Barcelona, SAP did a big event. Could you come out there? Could you write something about one of our key clients as an independent? Uh, and you treat it like a journalist or an analyst in mm -hmm. that sphere. And I look and think, how's that happened? Because I didn't plan, <laughs> I didn't set out to do it. It's accidentally got the throw. Oh, this is nice. Someone wants me to do a blog. Okay, that's great. Bit of profile for me. Great. That'll be the end of it. And now, I mean, literally in the past two or three months, I must have done, I'm thinking three, four, say eight or nine blogs for major different brands separate to my day job. So there is a challenge in finding where you fit this stuff in now you do it. But yeah. every piece, every piece of content that goes out, you know, IBM have got me on their site writing Oracle and SAP and et cetera. Isn't that a credibility statement that gets you more in other people noticing? Oh, oh, do you we we do you do write blogs for people? Do you could you do this? Could you go on the and last week I did one for a telecoms, global telecoms brand. And could you come on there and be an expert speaker around cloud computing uh, and what's happening with one of our people and, and yeah all the time i'm getting a direct message on twitter or linkedin and invites to could you can you do this can you contribute and if i've got authentic experience i've turned a few down because it's like well yeah come on but i'm not going to add much because i don't i don't know about that stuff but I'm, i know someone might who does why don't you go and try them right but where i know about it I look at it and go, well, why wouldn't I? It's it's taking all my years of experience and someone's asking me, can you share what you've already been through with other people who haven't? That's easy. And it builds your profile, your personal brand. So that's why you get hooked into this, right? Where you realize every time you do one of these things, it enhances your personal brand a little bit more and you get more opportunity. It is what you what you put in it begats you opportunity. I absolutely believe that because I've lived it now and I'm watching it happen by the week. Well, and you're, you know, you're what we PR folks call a dream client or, or, a, or a dream asset if we're working for an agency or company. You know, we want that person like you who the reporters are already thinking about as an expert. We want that person who has that pedigree of being speaking places. And I love what you said there too. I want to tease that out real quick is that you, Sometimes, and this happens to me too, you get, a pro like I get approached to do a lot of marketing conferences. I, I, I understand marketing, you know what I mean? I'm good with marketing, that's fine. But my primary area is public relations, crisis communications, podcasting, those things. So I generally am like, you know what, let me find somebody who's better at that topic than me for you. Let me help you with that. You never want to leave people hanging because you, you, know, you never know if they could invite you back for something that you really are comfortable with. And I think that's a very effective thing. And I think you're really doing well in your personal branding when you're, you're at a point where you're actually having to turn gigs away for whatever reason. Um, back when I was a younger person, I probably would have faked it till I made it, which does, it's not always a good idea. So I, I think that's fantastic. And I wonder... I wonder in our closing moments here, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. I wonder if I could just step out real quick, though. I, I would really like to hear about your company real quick. And if you could just give all of our listeners one thing they should know about cloud computing right now. Is that okay? Yep, do that real easy. So let, let, let's do the company first. So I work for an organization called 1UP Sales. And we help businesses to, and it's very pertinent with, with the situation we're all in globally with coming out of covid or hopefully coming out at this point. So our, our, we, we have a cloud-based solution that helps businesses use the data they already have in their CRM and phone systems and turns it into insight, motivation, and productivity for their sales teams. Hmm. 
So, you know, and simply, but we, we allow you to use that data to run contests, put it on nice TV screens, do celebrations, you know, into Microsoft Teams, things like that. So basically, you know, imagine running a contest, data you've already got, where it, it's like a league table. It's, it's like your fantasy football type thing. And, you know, oh, there's a celebration. Steve just, Steve just closed the business. Or there's a celebration. Alison's top four of the week, that type of thing. And now's the time, right? You need some... Don't you don't you want to bring your staff back with some fun and engagement? So it's really interesting talking to clients right now, um, and we're seeing accelerated adoption and interest, which is great because people are trying to figure out how do I engage my staff, and and if they're working from home, how how do I how does how does the member of staff know what's going on? How do they know how they're comparing to their colleagues if they're not sat next to the colleagues? They haven't even got the the, the vibe from the office of they're all doing they all seem to be I seem to be slacking a bit. They don't know. So, so that's where we fit. Cloud computing, um, one thing, is the one thing, is we're, we're past the early adopter and fear phase, right? I know lots of people for years, I've lived it, have been fearful. We've just gone through the biggest proof of cloud computing ever could be, mm. because during COVID, how many of you were on a Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, or whatever call, whatever platform, and how many of you were doing that for your kids' schooling or for your kids' lessons or, or, or some group they're part of that before was in person, but they just spun these things up globally. People rushed to those platforms overnight. And what would we have done if they hadn't been capable of immediately, what, what we call bursting, elasticity, of taking on a million users a day what if we'd been in the old world where actually, no, we need to buy new hardware so we can't add any more users for another two months, I'm afraid, because the demand's too great, too quick. Cloud computing just facilitated us all being able to order food. Uber Eats, you know, if, if you look at Uber or, um, or Just Eat or any, any of the online food places or look at Amazon and how they would, what would you have done without Amazon and some of these food delivery places during the past year? It could have been, uh, you know, as painful as it was, well, think about this. That was facilitated by the power of cloud computing. And if that hadn't been there, very different in that. Supply chains. How did supply chains pivot so quickly? Yes, we had problems, but you know that was a first world problem. In reality, being short of toilet paper wasn't the end of the world, <laughs> but it was fixed, right? Supply chains had to quickly adapt. Without cloud computing, you wouldn't have a lot of things that you have today all the apps on your phone lots of them are cloud computing focused without cloud those apps would not have the power they have or work so i think it's and people are adopting it now without knowing it so you know the big message is accept it that cloud computing is a positive you know by all means do your diligence and business but it's here to stay and, and we're accelerating and the innovation that's come from it is changing the world we live in you know, I can't agree more. Uh, just as a side note here on podcasting, I previous to COVID, I used Skype and Skype's okay. It sounded better than a phone call most of the time, but my guests found it a bit onerous to log into. Um, and then all of a sudden here comes Zoom, which I started using for my, my business, my day job, so to speak. And uh, I haven't looked back and I'll tell you why. Zoom, Zoom may not be the absolute perfect, you know, audio, perfect video, but it gets the job done. And, uh, and it's easy. I mean, and I, 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 I early on found it a little difficult for some of my guests. They, they didn't understand how to get on and they were worried about it and all this stuff. But 
nowadays it just seems like everybody's kind of accepted it, as you said, and papered over any worries and, and moved on. So I think you're 100% right with the cloud computing stuff. And um, also, I guess the days of me buying, and maybe I'm crazy, you tell me real quick, uh, the days of me buying these huge, uh, you know, three terabyte uh, little, little you know, paperback sized uh uh, external memories are those over? Do you think, or do you do you tell people, eh, it's okay to have those well, two? Well, here's the context. I've got a stack of hard drives where I back up everything, and, and and I multiple back it up. You know, photos of the kids and the family and stuff. So I back it up, but I have it in the cloud as well. So so the beauty is that you can drop it into Box.net, Dropbox, etc., SkyDrive, and great, you've got a copy there. But I back it up there as well because it's too valuable an asset. But but even so. It's all cheap, right? All of it. However you do yeah. it now, technology, the price has gone down, the power has gone up. It's Moore's law, you know, and I think with cloud computing, it's Moore's law on steroids. Moore's, Moore's law was, for those who don't know, that cloud computing was doubling, sorry, computing power was doubling every year. Right. And the price was going down. With, with, with what we do with cloud and the different way we now use technology, it is, it is, it's accelerating. It's getting even better and better and better. We can, we can do more with less cost. And I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see innovations of technology. There's some stuff, you know, that's being muted. AI is coming and robotics. We're going to see a leap. We leap every 10 years, much further than in the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. So the next 10 years, it'd be really interesting to see innovation um, that has that been fueled by the foundation of cloud computing technology. Exciting time to be alive. Ian Moyes, how do we get a hold of you? Let's put it in the show notes. Is there a link that people can visit if they'd sure, like to yeah. learn more about and, you? And it, and it, here's a personal branding tip in itself. So uh, if you go to ianmoyes.co.uk or if you go to ianmoyes.cloud, those will take you directly to my Twitter and LinkedIn profiles. I've done the same from other social profiles as well. Smart. Right? It's so simple. It's cheap. I've already bought the domains for my kids. I don't know yep. it yet, but, but, but I've already bought them, right? And I, I, in case someone else gets them, so when they get to the right age, I can say there's a domain, and we can point we we can point it wherever you like. You can point it to Facebook or Snapchat, whatever it is. But it's your personal address, and it's they're so cheap to have, oh, right? Yeah. It's a few oh, yeah. a few dollars a year, yeah. and look how easy it makes. So so imagine your name is John Smith. Well, <laughs> go to, go to LinkedIn, search John Smith, and search for then architect and 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 company name. Why, that's, why make that pain for the audience? I just go, just go to that web address and it will find it. And, and think about this, if LinkedIn was replaced or surpassed by something in five years time, and I wanted to point everyone that finds that address and everywhere it's bookmarked to the new platform, it takes me five minutes to change it and you'll find me still on wherever I am now. I love it. Yeah, you know what? Great minds. Uh, my daughter is nearly 13, and I mean, the month she was born, I, I went and picked it up. I've got her name. She's got a not a terribly unusual name, but uh, a, there's, there's more than one out there for sure. Uh, I was a fool, though. I actually owned my name, AlexGreenwood.com, when I was in politics, of all things. And then afterward, I thought, oh, <laughs> I'll let it go. I, I don't need that. $12 a year. What a fool. It's gone now. Somebody else, another Alex Greenwood, presumably picked it up. But I own the others, the .net, the .org, which are not worth nearly as much. But that's, those are great tips. Anyways, I've kept you too long, sir, but I've enjoyed it. And I know that uh, our fellow virtual loungers have as well. So thanks again for joining us here in the virtual lounge. Thank you very much. Oh, 
Okay, who has a podcast then writes an ebook about podcasting and doesn't do an audiobook version of it? Well, not me. I've done that. In fact, I'm very excited to tell you, dear listeners, that the podcast option, my recent top-selling ebook on podcasting, my journey through 15 years as a podcaster, broadcaster, host, guest, and observer, is now an audible audiobook. It's really, really, really exciting for me to be able to present this to you through Audible, uh, which is available on Amazon.com, where the ebook link is as well. And in this fast listen, my experience uh, comes to you through stories, practical tips, and advice from my hundreds of hours as a guest, producer, podcast host, and more. And the podcast option, if I say so myself, is mandatory listening for those new to podcasting, and it should be a welcome addition to veteran podcasters' library. So check out the podcast option read by yours truly, Alex Greenwood, or as they say there, the J. Alexander Greenwood, because that's my pen name. And that's a long story, which if you dig through my podcast, eventually you'll find out what that means. But the point being today, the podcast option is available now as an audible audiobook. I've got a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Please do me a favor, go get that audiobook. Or if audiobooks aren't your bag, there's also a link for you to get it as an ebook. Again, the podcast option. I certainly hope you will choose it. Oh, you know what that means? Looks like it's last call here at your virtual lounge for PR news views and interviews. Don't forget, you can ask me a question anytime. You can do it through our Twitter account, which is at ours PR, or even better, you can send me a message vocally. I would love to hear your voice, and I'll answer it on the show. There's a link in the show notes. All you have to do is sign up through Anchor FM. It's free, doesn't take long, and you record your message. I get the message. I will play your audio. Just give me your first name and the city you live in, and then I will answer the question to the best of my ability right here on the show. Don't forget to, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can support it and help increase the frequency and value of the show. Just consider being a sponsor for your brand or your agency or just yourself because you're like, I like this show. Or just drop a few coins in the virtual tip jar. Either way, there's links in the show notes. Please check that out. All of that, of course, being in the show notes where you're listening right now or at PRAfterHours.com. I see that they're turning up the lights. Last call is over and I've got to clean up this virtual lounge. And until next time, I'm Alex Greenwood and you've been listening to PR After Hours on Anchor FM.